How dare you? This is a quality of life issue. Hope in the face of uncertainty. Which side of history will you be on? Hi everyone, and welcome back to Brace for Impact. This is Catherine and Laith, and after a week off, we are so excited to be back on the podcast to dive into the topic of sustainable food systems. Over the past century, the change of pace in the food system has accelerated. While some of these changes have been beneficial, they have also created significant harm to the environment and the public's health. From overconsumption, food waste, and the negative consequences of animal-derived products on the planet, we are faced with food systems that continue to perpetuate and deepen the environmental crises we are faced with today that we will continue to be faced with tomorrow. Joining us this week to break down the topic of sustainability in our food systems is our friend and chair member of Net Impact, Mirza Freed. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Do you want to give a little background of who you are so listeners can get a taste? Um, so my name is Mirsa. I'm a sophomore here at Northeastern, and I'm studying international affairs and journalism. Um, and then, yeah, to kind of go into my background on the topic of food and sustainability, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, which always had a, there was a big value for sustainability, and so that was just something that I kind of grew up around. Um, but I never really, I mean, I was young too, so I never really put much, e- not effort, but um, I didn't know much of what I could do by myself, but as the older I got and the more reading I did and the more books I I came across, whether it was cookbooks or news articles, I heard more about kind of what a plant-based diet was and what that could mean for our world. Also, health and wellness has always been a value to me, so slowly I would say probably two or three years ago I started shifting to eating more plant-based, and for me that was a gradual thing. Some people make a change overnight, but for me that was something gradual. And um, now I'm, I'm vegan, and that's just personally my val- what, what I value and what works for me. But for everyone, everyone's life is different, and so whatever works for you is great. And I think there's so much to do with the topic of food sustainability, and veganism is not perfect, and it doesn't work for everyone. So I think it's a very important topic to really analyze and look at all of its elements. For sure. When Leith and I decided that we wanted to talk about this topic on the podcast, mm-hmm. Mirsa was such a great person to have on because I know just from talking to you in the past at Net Impact weekly meetings, you're someone who's so passionate about the topic, but you're also so inclusive and you never are like, oh, you eat meat? How do you care about sustainability then? Like never, which is so great because that is the kind of like mindset and environment that inspires others to join. So um, we're definitely going to get into... Mm -hmm. Everything you just talked about, you gave a really great overview, but to dial it back a little bit, should we mm-hmm. talk about some of the problems that exist in our current food systems? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And definitely the problems that exist and Mirsa, maybe some of the problems that haven't aligned with your values and that has led you to make the change to be plant-based and to take an interest in sustainability. Yeah, so I think this is a pretty common one, and I'm sure many of the listeners have heard about this before, but I think if you take veganism from a health perspective, it's... Or, Um, Just to clarify, like veganism, and some people are really picky about the terms veganism and plant-based. We're just going to use the term veganism just to talk about the diet. What Um, is it? What is the difference? So plant-based technically is just the diet, whereas veganism is more of a lifestyle. So that's to say like you're not buying leather and, Uh, well, vintage leather is different. But some people are like very particular about that, but we're mm -hmm. not going to pay too much attention to that. Um, But I think if you're taking it from a health standpoint, it can be really easy to just, you know, buy whatever and not think about too much of where your food is coming from, you know, how far it's being shipped or 
what the work like what the standards are for workers from the countries that it's being imported from Mm -hmm. so i think um so the example i wanted to bring up was quinoa for example and this is quite common one um and there's been such i think it's well it's originally grown in the andes so around peru and bolivia and over the past few years there's been such an increase in the demand for it so the soil hasn't been able to rest and it's just losing fertility and this has really placed a pretty hard situation on farmers and they're just not able to keep up with the demand it's also made this food quinoa too expensive for locals to buy and this was just like a common food there before um my friend's family is from peru and her mom told me when she was growing up that was just what they ate but now Mm -hmm. it's it's quite hard to or it's just the cost of it has gone up so much Mm -hmm. so i think that's it's important i mean i'm not perfect either i still buy quinoa but i think like i can i should really reevaluate that and I know this summer when I was back home in Germany, my mom bought quinoa that was grown in Bavaria, the southern part of Germany. And I read, too, that they're starting to grow it in Colorado. So I think what's important is to really recognize the problems that exist. And, I mean, if it's going to take people to stop buying quinoa or show that they don't support maybe importing it for some so far away or, you know, the conditions that it's created from whether it's Peru or Bolivia to shift and maybe rethink how we can purchase this product. Yeah. That's interesting that quinoa is one of the first examples you bring up because when we talk about veganism or plant-based, I mean, quinoa completely aligns with that. Mm -hmm. I think the question I have that comes from the detriment that quinoa has is what is it about that food system and kind of our general food systems in this country globally that lead to the negative consequences of them, like you said, which is leading locals to not be able to purchase native foods there or um, overuse of soil? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think it's it's so hard because we live in such a globalized world where it's so easy to access anything these days. So regardless of how far away something is grown and where its origin is, people can usually go to their, well, in Boston at least, you can go to your local Whole Foods or local supermarket and have access to a lot of food. So it's hard to kind of go in and realize that these foods do have a lot of food miles behind them and that they're being shipped really long distances. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, their their global footprint would still be lower than meat. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that we still can't reflect on what we are buying and maybe even try and reduce our... Um, the, the footprint of certain vegan food items. And another thing there is that a lot of food is grown somewhere, then shipped to be packaged somewhere, mm-hmm. then yeah. shipped back somewhere else, and it's so inefficient as well. So yeah. yeah, I saw, I was doing some research, and I saw a really interesting thing, and it's like, when it comes to food, you can't, you there's some emissions that come from food production and growing food that you simply can't avoid. Mm-hmm. We have to eat at the end of the day. Right. But you can choose what foods you do eat. Right. So whether that's choosing to not eat meat or choosing to not eat dairy or even choosing to eat food that are grow- f- food that's grown more locally to you. And yeah. listeners might be wondering, like, why should we not eat as much dairy and meat? And, mm-hmm. you know, we all hear about it. I think mm-hmm. everyone at this point knows what veganism is and um, there's, like, a big movement behind it. But maybe we should talk a little bit about why it's necessary yeah I really want to like I I just want to preface that by saying 
the solution is not for everyone to go vegan. That's simply not a realistic thing, and it's very much a privilege for people to be able to make that decision. Um, I have a lot of friends, too, at the end of the day, they say, you know, like, I like meat. Yeah. And I totally understand that. For yeah. me, I was never a big meat eater, so it wasn't a big change to my lifestyle. But for some people, that can really be something... You know, maybe their family doesn't support them or where they live they maybe live in a food desert or um just have struggles to access fresh and i don't know a variety of foods so i think the the realistic way to move forward is to look at things as like maybe an 80 20 view on life you know you eat 80 percent plant-based and 20 percent not Mm -hmm. but um no for sure i think when um you know, people want to be sustainable. When I was growing up, at least a lot of people were like, oh, take shorter showers or mm-hmm. do something like that. But here's a statistic that when I read it, it blew my mind. So the average shower uses 17 gallons of water, but the average quarter pound burger uses 660 gallons of water. So that includes the irrigation of the grains and grasses that is mm-hmm. that are used to feed the cows the water for drinking and processing. And that's almost 40 times as much water as a shower yeah Yeah. so if you think oh i'm gonna take a i don't know five minute shower instead of a 10 minute shower just skip the burger you know like Mm -hmm. i think 40 showers is some people say like i've heard seen a statistic that's two months of showering i don't know how often people shower that's an Mm -hmm. average but you know like skipping one burger does make a huge exactly impact if you think it, about it in that context it can be hard to think like what can i do as an individual but if you put it that way it really you can see the difference you're making i mean there's some really scary s- stats like how with our population nearing 10 billion by 2050 mm-hmm. um and approximately like 60 percent more food will be needed um currently 80 percent of the world's farmland is used for animal production but it only makes up 18 percent of the world's calories and so that's just a crazy stat and it's not to say that we need we need to shift it to only growing food plant-based food but we could shift it so that a greater percentage of these calories comes from the world's farmland and that we're making greater use of this available space yeah Yeah. can you talk a bit to the point of Catherine brought up this statistic of the burger and the uh, gallons of water that it takes mm-hmm. to use. What what are those what are those gallons of water needed for? Right, you're not just the animals aren't drinking from a cup of water to stay hydrated. Yeah, can you talk about like the systems that lead to that full accumulation of over mm-hmm. 600 gallons for mm-hmm. one hand? I mean, it's it's kind of looking at like food chains, you know. And mm-hmm. so if you're trying to eat, it depends on the kind what you're what you're eating, but. Um, cows like beef is a really good example where they just there's so much consumption on the cow's end before it even gets to you Mm -hmm. and so obviously we wouldn't be eating the food that cows eat but it's the idea that we could be eating you know there would we would just cut down on that whole chain and impact or you know lineage that leads up to what we're eating and that's why they say too you know it's like chicken and fish has way lower impact but I mean, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions Mm -hmm. and water and Mm -hmm. land usage and yeah exactly and cows are a special one cows and sheep because of exactly like the way that they digest their food they just emit much more uh, methane and that's way more potent as a greenhouse gas so i think um i mean some people really can't fathom the idea of like not eating a burger but i think if you really cut back on your red meat consumption you don't have to give it up entirely but that's a really big step that you can take yeah a lot of people too when we talk about veganism or plant-based diets a fear is that they won't get the necessary nutrients and I don't know, just in this conversation, I'm reflecting back to mm-hmm. maybe like eighth grade science where you see a food chain and you see the energy depletion on each level of the food chain. Can you talk a bit like 
the stigma surrounding yeah. a plant-based diet yeah, and whether or not you're not going to get the energy you need or proteins mm-hmm. or different nutrients. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny because I've been, I feel like I've been following this like veganism for a while. And it, I feel like in 2016, it was like a really big trend to like be a vegan YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were following like this high carb, low fat diet, which simply wasn't sustainable. So yeah. it'd be people that would like wake up and eat a half a watermelon for breakfast and like call that a day. And they were just and so that was kind of what veganism was seen as on the internet was mm-hmm. just eating like lots of fruits and vegetables, like very high fiber diets. And it ended up with a lot of these like famous celebrity YouTube vegan YouTubers, um, not being able to stay vegan for yeah. health reasons. And so I think if you're eating like that and you see that, that's not what, that's not a sustainable way to go about it. Um, you need to eat a very like varied whole foods plant-based diet and so that would include like grains and still eating lots of fats um make sure making sure you're getting protein in i know there's so many good protein whether you're eating protein options whether it's just beans or um beans and lentils versus like they have a lot of good veggie sausages these days so Mm -hmm. there's so many options there's so many easy switches like pasta Mm -hmm. made from chickpeas exactly exactly it's really not hard also like Health is definitely a big one, but mm-hmm. also food is such an integral part of the way that we socialize with others yeah. and our happiness and well-being relies a lot on the way we eat food and converse mm-hmm. with o- others over meals. Mm-hmm. And it's fun being vegan. It's so satisfying. I'm not vegan. I'm vegetarian, but it's I make a lot of vegan meals mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's so satisfying when you cook a meal for others who are not vegetarian and or they vegan, like it yeah. and they like it and they go, how did you do mm-hmm. that? It's mm-hmm. so satisfying. It's so uh-huh. rewarding. It's like, it's interesting too, because if you think about it, a lot of, there are a lot of foods that are just like vegan at their like nature, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. whether it's certain, um, like certain Indian food or, I mean, there's so many vegetarians in India that a lot of like dolls and curries are just vegan at their nature, some Thai food. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot out there that people kind of attach this label like vegan and they don't realize that a lot of food that they probably enjoy is already vegan. Um, Going back to though, just like shifting to a vegan diet, like it's going to be an adjustment, but that kind of happens with anything, like any changes you're going to make in your life. Um, you're going to probably have to eat more to get calories in, yeah. but I mean, that can be a good thing. It's going to be more pasta. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for some people too, what holds them back is the social aspect of it. And like, I'm not going to lie. That's been hard to at times, but I feel like the longer you stick to it, the more normal it just is. And people really are understanding. And I've gone and stayed at friends' houses and their parents just like, don't really know much about veganism. And mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm, it's, it's always, I don't know, fun's the right word, but it's always interesting to be able to talk to people about like your own values and kind of, you know, then they start to see what you're interested in. I know for my family as well. So, um, quite a few years ago, my mom, I think got a book somewhere and it was a, just a vegan cookbook. And that was something that kind of started my interest. And from that point, it was very much like a health and wellness thing for me. Also, then I learned more about the environments. And I feel like the longer you do it, you kind of become aware of like the animal issues. Honestly, that's not a passion for everyone, but sometimes you can, you, you just start to see the other sides of it. Yeah. But um, just as a family, I know from when I started, my views of my parents have always been supportive. And now mm. my dad, my both of my parents are pretty plant-based neither of them are fully vegan at all but i think you're just when you are passionate about something and you're willing to talk with people about it and i think it's really important to never force your own lifestyle choices on someone else people will be interested and kind of just naturally adapt i had friends freshman year who would just be like oh my mirsa like i ate i was fully vegetarian today and i'd be like 
I, I'd almost feel bad. I was like, did I enforce this yeah. on them? But it's just like they're interested themselves. And I think that's always a really fulfilling thing to happen. Yeah. You had a really good point. You said not every vegan is like, I don't want to kill an animal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can speak to that. Um, my experience in last spring is kind of, I started experimenting with maybe I do want to be vegan, maybe I don't. Um, but eventually I did become a full vegan. And what led me to wanting to become one wasn't necessarily that I, and not not to say I don't care about it, but mm-hmm. my driving point in wanting to switch to a plant-based diet wasn't because I am deeply empathetic to animals being killed at the rate they are, which is a very terrible thing and does lead mm-hmm. to more climate changes and detriment to our climate. But there's more so the lack of, I guess, options in food that people around the world have, specifically in developing countries. I know Kath and I took international affairs last semester and we learned about a country like Yemen where they have no food sources. And then compounding mm-hmm. with COVID, people in these areas just had so many more lack of resources. So for me, what led me to saying, I kind of want to make a change. And these are the things I care about. And the best way in my eyes to go about that change was switching to a plant-based diet because you see the impact, say, you mentioned on, um, I think it was Peru, that people buy foods from these areas and then the local natives don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So if, again, it's a matter of if you are able to do it. And I think for me, it was knowing that I was capable of doing it and it would have a positive impact. That's what kind of led me. Yeah, exactly. And I think like just looking at the animal perspective of it, I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's very different if someone has chickens in their backyard and they're just eating those eggs. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, that's not a majority of people. And so... I think, yeah, you can sit down and watch clips of slaughterhouses, but Mm -hmm. that's not, some people don't want to do that. I mean, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. But I think for for me, honestly, what it is, it's not maybe after not eating meat for so long, it's just kind of like a weird concept to me. Right. Yeah. I watched someone make um, meatballs from scratch the other day, and I was like, why? You know what I mean? Uh But um, since you both shared your stories of why you went Mm -hmm. vegan, I guess I can talk about why I went vegetarian. It's actually funny because um, in high school, I had a friend group that all went vegan at the same time, and mm-hmm. they were like, Catherine, you're vegan, and I really didn't want to, mm-hmm. so I told them my mom said no, um, <laughs> which was a lie, but I just didn't want to be, uh-huh. Moms like, are a good pressured, yeah. <laughs> it is, I just didn't want to be pressured into changing my lifestyle and diet, because at the time, not even that it didn't align with my values, because I wasn't, like, screw the environment, mm-hmm. I just hadn't learned a lot about the connection between, um, climate change and food systems mm-hmm. and then as I learned more and then ultimately came to Northeastern and joined that impact I saw people who were just as passionate as me about the environment and sustainability and social and environmental justice issues talking about the fact that they have transferred that into action they've reduced the gap between their values and their actions yeah. and that just inspired me so I like did meatless Mondays and mm-hmm. then I did um, I think I did meat once a day, and then yeah. I did meat only on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And then when I went home for COVID, and I wasn't on the meal plan anymore, I just went full vegetarian, and I have been since. But um, I think what I took away from that is going forward, I don't ever want to be like, oh my gosh, you have to be vegetarian too. That burger that you're eating right now, that was this many gallons mm-hmm. of water, and that like 
release this many greenhouse gas emissions in its production, like that's not going to influence exactly. anybody to change anything. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think you should ever shame anyone because you never know what their situation is. Absolutely. And it's just important. Like if people ask you, of course, like definitely talk to them, um, tell them what you're passionate about, like your own decisions. But at the end of the day, that probably, that may not ch change much. Like if you're trying to force, not force, but really like you said, making comments about someone's eating, that's not thats not what's going to make a difference. Also, what makes a difference is consistency, not perfection, right? Yeah. If yeah. you're super strict on your diet and you're not happy, you're probably not going to be able to maintain that for no. a long time. But if you every once in a while choose, I don't know, a plant-based burger for fun, even though you're not vegetarian, that makes an impact. Mm -hmm. If every yeah. person on the planet just made that decision every once in a while, that would have a large-scale impact on greenhouse gas emissions, water usage, mm -hmm. land use and so on. And that's the kind of thing that the environmental movement is advocating for. And being a part of that is also just really empowering in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's like every, it's, it's so hard to make big changes in your life. It can be a gradual thing. For me, it was not something that happened overnight. I took a while to cut meat out of my diet. And then I, I was also living at home at that point. So it was just kind of different and going to people's houses. And it wasn't until I came to college where I was like, you know, now that I'm at the dining hall and I can make my own decisions, like it'll just be 100%. And I think that can be seen in other like sectors of sustainability too. People who decide to go zero waste, like that's mm -hmm. not something you can go from one day to the next. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gradual changes are what's going to be the most sustainable. I think what I found too, you mentioned like being home versus being in college, mm -hmm. there's so much access to community in college surrounding things such as veganism or you know going zero waste mm -hmm. but for me similar to Catherine joining that impact it first opened my eyes to why someone would want to go vegan but also it was a space where no one again like you've said to me or so your friend said you're going vegetarian for a day you don't want to feel like you impose that on them mm -hmm. and similarly for me I went to an impact meeting and not to call out Mel, who was um, on one of the episodes, but she would always talk about how she's vegan. And then one day she came into a meeting, she huffed and puffed. And she's like, guys, I have to admit, I had a slice of pizza today at co-op. It was like, that was one of those humanizing moments. It was that this doesn't have to be a perfect thing. Like everyone maybe want a slice of pizza one day. I definitely mm -hmm. don't want pizza more than once a day, but mm -hmm. it really showed me that, th th like Catherine said, it's not perfection. It is trying to go and make this a constant thing. And sometimes when you have that urge, just, you know, if it's necessary for you, go ahead and do it. Exactly. But sharing that story and the humbleness of, oh, yeah, I'd never eat meat or I would never touch dairy again in my life. It's just detrimental to what you would want to happen for other people exactly. in general. That's a quite daunting idea if you're, like, seeing all these people who you think are just living this, like, perfect lifestyle yeah. where they're not making any, well, not mistakes, but just, like, strict like sticking to the strict diet i don't know for me too i've thought about it a lot because um i've traveled my family lives in europe and so i've traveled around there and i've always been able to kind of maintain this vegan diet but mm -hmm. you know there are definitely parts of the world where it would be harder to do that and i think i'll definitely be in a position someday where um i i hope to be able to maintain this kind of diet but you know i that that'll be a different challenge to kind of overcome yeah it's also a classist issue you know yeah. not everyone has access yeah. to all of these vegan foods not everyone gets mm -hmm. to choose what their family purchases or you know sometimes vegan food is expensive if they're alternatives or they just don't have the knowledge mm -hmm. of what they can eat yeah mm -hmm. um low-income and minority communities often lack convenient places that offer healthier foods too and that means that it's just a lot harder and there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area too, exactly. to be inclusive in this movement. No, 100%. Because I think, like, you know, at the end of the day, maybe people can go 
wherever they are and get a bag of like rice and beans but how fun is that and that's not a sustainable way to keep living whereas i keep seeing um tiktoks of people actually like they'll be in some upper class neighborhood in new york city and they're showing like all the available supermarkets and then you go to a neighboring borough whether it's somewhere like queens or they had they i think it was one in the bronx and they were just showing how there was just such little food access it was a lot of kind of mini markets and like gas stations and so it is an issue of food equality is uh, food access as well and mm-hmm. just being able like what's available to you in your neighborhood and for some people it's just it's not it's maybe not even possible to not be vegan but not possible to live like a healthy lifestyle because being vegan is not synonymous with being health with being healthy so i think for some people, yeah, it really is a privilege, and so it's important to recognize that. Yeah, it goes back to the issue too about you mentioning how there's just not enough access to these foods, and maybe low-income communities. But we talk about how 80% of the world's produce is for cattle, and mm-hmm. the switch over to plant-based diet is completely taking away the middle part of the cow getting the produce versus the billions of people around the world. So again, this isn't a thing of everyone should go vegan, but considering that there are people who are able to, well, what is a privilege to be able to turn over to this diet? It can benefit people. Maybe you're not going mm-hmm. to be seen within your community, but in other communities. Yeah, right. If you're able to make sustainable food choices for those who can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another thing that I kind of read up about too, and um, last June it started, I started kind of hearing a lot more about it. And that was the topic of like racism and veganism. Mm-hmm. And um Something that I found quite interesting was that, so Peter recently had a campaign to do with um, speciesism, so this concept that humans are superior to animals, and because of that, they almost, they kind of take this stance that, like, when it comes to race, that we don't see color, and we're ignoring civil rights because we're speaking for animals who are voiceless, and we're not looking at, the to- like, the topic of civil rights, we're just looking at animal rights. But um, they had this campaign, and it was, co- it it had animals like kneeling down on their knees like Colin Kaepernick and it compared kind of the systemic oppression of black people to animals and so I think it's this I don't know it's it quite like a very not great campaign at all <laughs> and I think until like PETA changes this approach and realizes that like um that ignoring civil rights issues as long as this continues black people will still be oppressed and um another thing i really i I came across too is that often these large vegan non-profit organizations are staffed with white executives who are carrying out this will of largely white funders and their priorities and so um something that was interesting was that vegans of color overwhelmingly cite health as a reason for going vegan whereas white people are more likely or not maybe some of these like famous vegan figures are more likely to cite um environmental reasons or animal rights and um a lot of vegans of color have emphasized that when they kind of not for everyone i don't want to overgeneralize, but for someone they when they say you know they take this animal stance it has alienated alienated them from their communities of color and so when these nonprofits continue to just really go and fight for this um, this approach that is very much more um, a value to a lot of white vegans, this also is not a good representation of the whole population, and it's only really representing one side of veganism. And so I think we really need to continue to recognize the connections between racial justice and veganism. Um, it's a really big topic, and there's so much to it, but I think that's something really important for people to realize, too. 
definitely the topic is really intersectional like all issues that fall under you know sustainability is a really big umbrella social justice falls onto it, environmental justice climate justice mm-hmm. food justice and this is just another thing that's really great mm-hmm. that you highlighted that because i did not know that yeah i mean it's something that i really did not know much about either i definitely knew kind of the stuff about like food access and having mm-hmm. to be a privilege but and I, like i said i don't want to generalize everyone has their own reasons for why they might be vegan but kind of Oh, generally speaking, these were just kind of the differences of what people of color, the reasons they went vegan versus white people and kind of the differences in representation that a lot of vegan nonprofits failed to recognize. So is the detriment at that point that we're just not recognizing the, the scope of why people may have gone vegan or does that have a negative effect on maybe reaching more people of color to move over to a vegan diet? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely not an expert on this issue, so sure. I don't know too much, but I think um, it's just an issue, too, of, like I said, when people, when vegans of color, they've, they've said, like, when they really focus, or when, you know, this focus is taken on animal rights and um, environmentalism, it's, in cases, just kind of really ostracized them from their own communities and made it almost like harder to be vegan. And so I think okay. until a lot of these vegan organizations or nonprofits recognize and um, kind of not, maybe they have, then they, they have to shift their campaigns and have it show reasons, like all the reasons for going vegan a bit more and have mm-hmm. this more equal representation. I think that's kind of the direction we need to head into. Definitely. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. No, definitely. I, I just, mm-hmm. if the goal is to, especially from a white perspective and why people may go vegan, if the goal is for these environmental reasons, I understanding that a campaign can be detrimental to more people moving over, moving over to veganism is interesting to consider mm-hmm. how they're kind yeah. of undermining what their goal is in general. Yeah, these exactly. organizations have a uh, responsibility to be inclusive, to be equitable, and to have diversity in their own organizations. Yeah, and... Um, I think just for anyone who's, you know, interested in being vegan or plant-based diets, I think it's just really important to do your reading. Just Google racism and veganism and just stay informed about, you know, what the current state is. Hold these big vegan nonprofits accountable and have them make them have um, executive boards that really are representative of our population. So we just talked a lot about veganism, and I think the three of us could talk about plant-based diets, the reasons for it, and the effects of it for hours. Quite some time. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But um, as Mirsa kind of brought up earlier with the quinoa example, even food that a lot of vegans can eat and do eat aren't perfect. Yeah, definitely. And again, just to bring this up to completely recognize an hour and two, I mean, as a vegan, there's no way you're going to be perfect and your diet isn't going to be completely um, fair to the environment in any way. Right. It's the systems in place that are at fault a lot of the times, too. And a lot of the times they have to be that way because, like yeah. Mirsa said, said, mm-hmm. said earlier, we have to eat food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're almost at the point of, like, globalization and the interconnectedness where our diets will have to completely shift of what the norm is to completely, like, mitigate the effects that normal diets do have on the environment. Yeah. And when I say the effects and, like, what kind of foods those entail – um, I didn't actually realize these foods are as bad for the environment until I researched this this morning. And sugar, chocolate, and coffee are among some of the worst things for the environment. Um, and similar to the reasons why meat is bad, which is um, you need more kind of produce, and that takes a lot of water to grow. And then you give that food to the animals, and the processing of that meat takes a lot of water too. 
um, right here, 100 grams of chocolate takes over 2,400 liters of water to make. So you see the detriment in almost any product to the environment. Um, and Mirza, I kind of have a question for you in that. What is the solution if everything almost you eat is going to have an impact? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's hard because, like, I, I know another example. I'll go into those as well, but, like, the when you're looking at soy, for example, there's been a lot of, like, clearing the Amazon and they've said, you know, like, will going vegan change this because the demand for it may not increase. And so, mm -hmm. like, those items you brought up, whether you're vegan or not, that is not going to change the demand for those things. And so I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know, there, it's, I don't know that much about coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker myself, so I yeah. wouldn't be able to answer too much. And I, I know it's not a realistic thing to say, like, stop eating chocolate. Um, <laughs> But I think we can be conscious of where we're buying from, you know, if it's produced in like large mass scales with high levels of fertilizer and, um, you know, just not in the most environmentally conscious way. Mm -hmm. That's not a way to go about things. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure about the best chocolate brands to, you know, like what a better alternative would be necessarily. But I would say like do your research. Um, try and find ones that maybe are produced like treat their workers fairly um are made on a smaller scale so it's not as like maybe wasteful and that they're grown organically mm -hmm. so i think at the end of the day the a lot of plant-based foods generally their their um you know footprint is going to be a lot lower than animal-based products and yeah. so i want to highlight like even though we are it's it's good to recognize and talk about the food alternatives or like a lot of things that a lot of vegans eat um in place of meat it's we can't forget that first of all they are a lot lower um there's a less like a lower impact on the environment mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they have a super low impact and so i think yeah i don't know it's hard we can think of alternatives um but like i said yeah maybe buy chocolate you can't buy locally always but um yeah sorry i'm just going on and on no but, i yeah. think you made a great <laughs> point that look where you're getting the products from i think what differentiates unsustainable plant-based products versus unsustainable meat products is that however you're planning on going to feeding an animal it's going to take that processing of produce and mm -hmm. then processing of the meat that uses so much water but when going, and this isn't justifying the use of products like sugar, chocolate, and coffee. I mean, the recognition that they're equally as detrimental in terms of water use is certainly there. But it is only in producing those things that the problem lies. Yeah, and I think with like sugar, chocolate, and coffee, I'd hope that those are not like huge parts of anyone's diet. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so hopefully people can, you know, not cut that out entirely, but just, um, I mean, it's better for you anyway to not yeah. be consuming a ton of sugar and, um, yeah buy fair trade coffee and um yeah just be mindful of your purchases and how much you're consuming mm -hmm. for sure i think the amount that you consume of each of these is really important one for me that i've been trying to make a switch with is avocados so this isn't necessarily an, as mm -hmm. much of an environmental impact as it is as it is social yeah. so the mexican drug cartel um controls a lot of the avocado production in mexico mm -hmm. and so that can be harmful for the local communities because it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit if where the money's going. It's not exactly. necessarily being circulated throughout their local mm -hmm. economy the same mm -hmm. way um, your typical food production system does mm -hmm. when yeah. it's advocated for. For example, when livestock is grown in the U.S. economy and or not grown, when livestock is raised in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. across the country and that farmers are making an income from that area. Mm -hmm. 
but knowing where it comes from in that sense too in a exactly. social aspect just out of curiosity like how i i'm interested too how how have you approached that because i think like i mean i i eat like avocados but definitely is something that i'm like trying to be more aware of and see where i'm buying them from no same i love avocado toast i say i just eat less of them mm-hmm. to be honest i mean i used to love to eat it every day mm-hmm. and you know that's not a balanced diet either yeah. so maybe it's also for the best that i'm not doing that every day <laughs> but you know i mm-hmm. think it's just like i still will eat them but it's also being aware like when i am eating it like oh i'm not yeah you know exactly mm-hmm. doing what i intended to do with my diet and mm-hmm. that's also important to recognize to be able to give yourself new targets mm-hmm. for growth yeah yeah i think it's we talk about like everything we say it's oh it's good for the environment but oh also it's good for your health it's weird that the intersect of what is good for our you know natural world is also good for Mm -hmm, our natural mm -hmm. selves and that's something always overlooked there's Mm -hmm. always a mutual benefit for yourself as well as for what if you're a vegan because of the environment you're always going to be benefiting yourself as well as Mm -hmm. making a change for the world which i think is a beautiful thing about it no for sure and definitely everyone has different health uh health circumstances and you should always value your health before pretty much everything else yeah but there's a lot of really simple things like for example almond milk and oat milk oat milk almond milk uses so much water and in Mm -hmm. the united states most of it is produced in california where there are frequent droughts Mm -hmm. so i consume more oat milk because i think i like oat milk and almond milk around the same amount they're both pretty Uh good Mm -hmm. but now i just buy oat milk because it's such an easy switch such a simple like simple switch but it makes an impact if everybody did that that would make an impact right Mm mm-hmm and honest opinion, I personally think oat milk tastes better. So maybe it's a maybe maybe it is a win. I, I actually think almond milk tastes better, yeah, but I've been too. trying to <laughs> convince myself that almond milk tastes better. But I don't you know, know. I mean, I, do I, I don't really just drink it straight. So oh, me neither. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's different for everybody, and every little switch does make a difference. And it's also just awesome to be part of like a big movement that's mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know both of you have a lot of products and just types of food that you guys are really excited to cook with Mm -hmm. do you want to share some of those with our listeners in case anybody is interested in making any easy switches what do you guys have that you think would be easy yeah so i think like actually when i when i started being more plant-based um i didn't really eat a lot of kind of like meat alternatives um but some people you know they really do like meat and so it can be hard and they want those good switches (laughs) that's exactly and i know um some of them, like, some really good ones can be more expensive, but I know, like, Field Roast makes pretty good um, vegan sausages, and I think they have cheese as well. Um, and then I know Trader Joe's has really good alternatives as well, whether it's Impossible Meat or just sausages. I think on a general level, it's I, I tend to add just a lot of, like, I guess this isn't, like, a meat alternative, but it's good... To, you need to make sure you're filling yourself up. So I add a lot of like chickpeas to things yep. and just beans and mm-hmm. lentils and things that are really filling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you, Lee? Yeah, my go-to like filler is sweet potatoes. Just yeah. because, first of all, they're cheap, really cheap. You get mm-hmm, a bag mm-hmm. for like $3. But I'm similar, like you mentioned, some vegans choose to have the meat alternative, some don't. I really do like meat. Um, but I don't know. When I, again, a big reason I am vegan is for the health benefits of it. Exactly. And so, so when I go about it, I try to do it as in like, I want to know where I want to be able to like envision this coming from the ground or coming from a tree. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of how I go about it is trying to use as natural products as I can. But that's not to say you can't 
get a similar taste to what is typical meat flavor. Yeah. No, I think that's like, that's really interesting because it comes down to what your values are for someone who's maybe vegan just for animal rights, like, mm -hmm. and they don't care about health. That's going to be a completely different diet Absolutely. to maybe what you yeah. eat late. No, and definitely. And that's like, again, the point, a lot of the point of this episode too, is to open up the conversation about no one is vegan for any one reason mm -hmm. and no one continues to be for one reason. My reason is truly there are communities and countries out there that don't have access to different things. And the way I go about being vegan most aligns with what they may have access to, which mm -hmm. is produce or different legumes, which is natural to a lot of those areas. So for me, that coincides with my values and why I would like to be a vegan. Exactly. And mm -hmm. for me, you said that you don't like to eat fake meat mm -hmm. so much. I eat so much fake mm -hmm. meat and I think it's great. It is and good. It is great. I. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I've, have, it's grown on me a lot. It's, yeah, the options have gone a like lot vegan better. nuggets. Uh -huh. Mornings are vegan nuggets. I feed to my friends, and they <laughs> like mm -hmm. more than regular chicken nuggets now. Mm -hmm. And you know, one question I get from friends that I just share food with, or I'll just give them bites to be like, "Hey, like, try my fake meat," yeah. and mm -hmm. they're impressed with it. They ask like, "Oh, well, are there a lot of like?" chemicals and preservatives mm -hmm. that are in this and a lot of the times the answer is no but sometimes it's also yes you gotta mm -hmm. read you gotta the label you gotta do your research mm -hmm. but also if you think about it a lot of the f meat that people are eating are pumped with all of these Antibiotics injections and yeah it's just like yeah, exactly and then true. pesticides and it's mm -hmm. like okay but do you research that before you buy your mm -hmm. vegetables and your meat and yeah. it's like i'm not saying oh you can't like care about chemicals and mm -hmm. fake meat because you don't care about chemicals and real meat yeah. but it is a good question to ask like is it still healthier is it still not and that's research that i have mm -hmm. to do more of too mm -hmm. but that's another point that i think mm -hmm. needs to and be I part think, of the discussion yeah. i mean and it's all about balance too i think like i definitely don't live a perfect lifestyle so if i'm gonna eat some something that maybe is not the I mean, maybe healthiest isn't the right word, but the not like maybe not the most like whole food based. But mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit there and eat that for every meal of every day. It's right. all about balance. Maybe yeah. you eat that two nights a week or something. And trying new things. It's mm -hmm. so fun to experiment. There's like you can make things from scratch so much more easily. Mm -hmm. And um, exactly, mm -hmm. it's cheaper. You can keep it in your fridge for longer. It's so nice to mm -hmm. not be like, oh shoot, I have chicken in the it's fridge that bad. I need to eat this week. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was. Uh, for me, honestly, the dining halls, it was kind of easy because I'd always hear my friends complaining about, like, how bad the meat was. But I was like, I mean, a vegetable is, like, maybe a bit undercooked, overcooked. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to get sick from it. Right, right. <laughs> but exactly. that's just the dining hall thing. Yeah. It's not everywhere. I think if I can categorize or just to use one word in how I describe veganism, it's definitely to be intent. And not intent, deliberate. Definitely mm -hmm. be deliberate. Like Catherine mentioned, like, I do read the package on labels or... I do want to make sure what I'm getting is healthy. Or, like you mentioned, knowing where your products are coming from, I do want to make sure it is coming from a sustainable region for that product or I'm not um, supporting a system that exploits workers or mm -hmm. goes about it inhumanely. So it takes little effort, though. Like, it's not that much of a deliberate... It is very deliberate, but it's not going to take hours out of your day to look something up or understand not only what you're doing better for the earth but what am i doing for my body what am i putting inside exactly. my body exactly exactly and whether that's a hundred percent or just one meal a day like yeah. it is a difference yeah and we're not saying that you know the fate of humanity relies on each of our individual decisions to not eat meat like mm -hmm. that's not the case at all there does need to be industry level change we need to minimize mm -hmm. agricultural runoff exactly. pollution diversify crop rotations, decrease greenhouse gas emissions through areas such as transportation of food and feed transportation, and then also other 
areas and industries mm-hmm. that contribute to climate change. Yeah. But, you know, we we don't have the power to influence the entire industry, most of us, but you can advocate for politicians and organizations that can. And then, you know, on an individual level, if you can make the decision to, I don't know, go one day a week, mm-hmm. meatless Mondays. Which is very so beneficial, as yeah. Catherine mentioned, the stat about the burger. Like, that one meal, that one day is so beneficial to what we have mm-hmm. been talking about. It's yeah. not, oh, one day in the week, what is that going to do? Have no, a it does something. shower. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Yeah, there are all those stats. I think I saw one, too. I can't remember. They, they talked about eating a steak. I can't remember exactly what size, but it would be the same as driving your car three miles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, it's an interesting way to think about things. Yeah. For sure. And um, so, yeah, if you're able to make sustainable food choices... For those who can't, it's also really empowering mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be a part of it with everybody else in the exactly. movement and um, to share that with others. It's like everyone gets really excited talking about food in this area when they're yeah. like, oh, I made this taste good. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think, yeah, um, just going forward and I think we've all been saying stuff, definitely learning from one another. Um, I've certainly learned a lot from you, Mirsa, and I think to, I'm curious too about all the things you have said. If there were final words I can kind of leave off with that can sum up what you've said or give more tips of advice for what would make this an easy transition for people or not easy, but it is, is it a necessary transition? Yeah, I mean, if like from my perspective, if you look at the stats to do with climate change, like I very much believe in the view that we do need a great shift to plant-based diets, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean everyone has to go vegan. I think... Um, you know, people should just find what works for them. Um, it's going to work like everyone's life is different. What works for you is different than what works for your best friend. And so, um, I think a lot of people too, they feel pretty hopeless when it comes to climate change and that they can't make a difference. And I know like what you said, Catherine, we can't do it all ourselves, but I think research does show that we can make a slight difference and we can really vote with our dollar and make like set a demand it needs to be a combination between exactly a combination and one's and one's individuals you know show where the demand is that will change what corporations are doing and so i think there is a lot there um at the same time you know um there's a lot going vegan won't save all of our problems so i think there's simple changes you can do like try and be less wasteful even when you're just going to the store to buy produce like bring your own produce bags that's a really easy switch mm-hmm. um focus on buying local i know it's hard in college to sometimes they have like farmers markets but it can be hard to go with if you have classes during that time but just be more open into yeah into those options exploring different options. exactly yeah for sure and um i know too for some people like there's um, what's that Netflix documentary? Game Changers. Game Changers. Yeah, it is the best. Right? Game some people, best. Some Everyone people, watch Game Changers. Exactly. And Absolutely. some people, that's like what really works for them. Other people may watch that and like not feel passionate and then they watch, I don't know, there was, it's a pretty old documentary, but one called like Cowspiracy or, or Food yeah. Inc. Like that might change someone else's view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Game Changers is actually the documentary I watched right before switching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. If Literally. listeners want to know, that's about how it's also beneficial for your health and it's yeah. made exactly. athletes perform better exactly. in their sports. And I think, like, really to highlight something that Leith mentioned earlier was that um, maybe someone will go vegan or, like, approach a plant-based diet. Plant, I can't speak. Plant-based <laughs> diet for one reason. But what allows someone to continue and kind of be able to maintain that diet usually has to end up being multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, to sum up, you made some really awesome points. 
everyone, we have seven years until the Earth carbon budget is depleted. So, <laughs> you know, the need for change on all mm-hmm. levels is just becoming more and more important. And, you know, the meat industry needs to be held accountable for its contribution for, to climate change. But individual actions can make an impact as well. Even if it's a day of the week where you don't eat Exactly. Meat. Even if it's one day, even if it's every once in a while. Yeah. Even if you just meet up with a group of friends and you're like, hey, let's just try to make something vegan. Let's try to make these vegan cookies. Mm-hmm. They might taste horrible. They might taste great. <laughs> it'll take, yeah, it'll take time. But every little bit does something. Mm-hmm. And then to summarize, you know, veganism isn't perfect. No, it's definitely not. I think we can always do better. Um, it's important to always do your research, see how, what changes you can make to become an even better vegan or, or if you're not vegan, just what, just stay as socially aware as you can. Um, and yeah, just know that not everyone is perfect. We're all trying our best and, um, just do, do the best that you can. Yeah. Well, Mirsa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was way longer than most of them usually are, but I think we could have. This could have been a three-hour podcast if we weren't trying so hard to wrap up each topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, easily. There's just so much to talk about here, and I think there's so many things we missed out on. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you again. And as always, thank you for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. And certainly thanks to Brandon Fogarty, our design person, and special thanks to Greg Gold this weekend, who is not only our uh, audio editor, but also a new-founded vegetarian. (laughs) Um, So, Greg, by the time we get to this point, thank you for editing. Thank you for your contribution. (laughs) A little shout-out. See you next week on Brace for Impact.